Hello everyone, my name is Radu Pavel. It is the beginning of Advent. It is a season of preparation for the celebration of the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. I will be sharing a message of hope with you, but first let me tell you a few things about myself. I grew up in Romania. I was born in 87. After our revolution in 89, as the last satellite to fall, my country was in a sort of governmental chaos. Aside from the hardships of living in Eastern Europe, uh, my father developed a bit of a drinking problem. Life became very difficult at home. It was a hard time for people back then because uh, even if you succeeded in life and got a decent job or a good degree or became a doctor or an engineer, you would still be as poor as everyone else. There was no hope in their generation to prosper and the bit everyone had was barely enough and sometimes not. Corruption was at an all-time high and our borders were practically shut. Life for a family with children back then was not easy. And uh, my parents were both engineers. Um, they, had, they could only afford to raise me while both working and my sisters were raised by my grandparents. Pretty common back then, even today actually. My parents separated around my fourth grade. Uh, my mother got a job at a new American Canadian wood mill in town. Uh, which blessed my entire town, by the way, it was an um, incredible blessing to, to my town. And um, in the next few years, she uh, remarried my stepfather, John. And by the, aid of, by the end of grade eight, I had moved to Canada with my mother, my stepfather, and my two sisters. Life was strange and change was drastic and abrupt. Um, one thing to note um, from a long, short story, uh, my parents had a pretty rough separation. Um, and I have to, after I had arrived in Canada, we had barely any contact with my father and we didn't know if we'd ever see him again. Travel and the internet were not very developed uh, for Romania back then. And uh, today, here I am talking to you about hope. Hope for Broadway Church. Hope for everyone, really. There are three questions to be asked in regards to hope and three questions we'd like to answer as well. Whose hope? What's the reason for the hope? And hope for what? There are two types of hope. There is our individual hope answered by the things that bring me here. Um, what gives me even, even the choice to be able to celebrate the second type of hope, our hope, the corporate hope. So there's my hope and our hope. My hope began in late 2009, early November. I was walking down the street in Abbotsford actually, uh, after midnight, angry, hopeless. Um, I had succeeded at all the things I wanted in my life. I achieved, I conquered, I survived and I was still miserable, empty, and meaningless. So I yelled at God in my mind and in my heart and in my spirit, in my will. I didn't want him to save me. I wasn't looking for meaning. I wasn't asking for joy in my sorrow. At that point, I just wanted to know the truth. I asked God to reveal himself. Um, is he out there? And of course, in that moment, nothing happened. <laughs> so I carried on with my walk and I switched my attention to uh, my earthly father, whom I had cut off contact with uh, over a year ago, I hadn't spoken to him, had a pretty rocky relationship with him um, because of his alcoholism and their divorce, uh, which happened around grade five, it finally concluded. After we left Romania, uh, my father had lost everything, his daughters, his son, his wife, everyone. So family kind of disowned him. It was, it was a rough time um, and became homeless. Seven years later, I went back to Romania 
Uh, I saw my father, I restarted some relationship and uh, he had restarted his life as well. He remarried and then again, he started drinking. And at that time, I was also having some issues in my life. So we had a pretty rough fallout and I just left Romania, came back to Canada and cut off contact for a bit. I was thinking about all this that night, walking back and I just decided to uh, send him a text of forgiveness and reconciliation. And he was very happy to hear from me. We spoke over the next two days. Uh, over the internet and he was traveling from Italy back to Romania for work and the second day I got a phone call from my stepbrother in Romania telling me that my father was in the hospital with some sort of cold or flu type thing and the day after that I got a call that he had died in the hospital that night at 49 years old um, unsure why something to do with water in or around the heart uh, Romanian healthcare is not very trustworthy so um, I didn't bother seeking any more information especially from so far away um, it was not really much of a surprise. It's not like he lived a very healthy uh, lifestyle. He had drank and smoked most of his life, spent a lot of time in different mines and different chemicals and just because of his job as well. But I reconciled with my father right before he died. Uh, my hope began the day that my father died. It's a strange thing to say, but I realized at that time that God is real. God answered and God listened. It was a confusing time. About three years later, I recognized I was still angry at God. Where was my father? I mean, people died. Um, I had lost my father before in some way. And this was different. Um, <clears throat> I knew there was life after death now. But for my father, where is my father? God, if you love me, why not him? Why not reveal yourself to him? Save him even from the painful life that he lived. And of course, this time, God answered. <laughs> to you, he told me. He is a father. You feel entitled to know his fate. You feel entitled to extend my, God's, protection and love to your father because he's your father and you love him. Who do you think he is to me? I created him. I know and love him. And I love everything I made. To me, a son. Wasn't really an answer, uh, but my hope was fulfilled. Uh, my real question was answered. Does God love my father? God suffered alongside him also. He suffered for him also. God loves. He loves sinners. And the proof is in the suffering and in the sacrifice. God didn't answer my question, but I didn't need him to anymore. I now had assurance and some direction. That was enough. Our hope also comes in some ways from individual hope. Abraham believed God too. And uh, Genesis 15, 16, Abraham believed the promise God made to him. A nation of descendants, he was told. Genesis 22, 15 to 18, verse 18, And through this generation, through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. It becomes our hope also. Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son for God before this promise was even made, just on his hope, his faith. And the promise God made him in Genesis 15, 13 to 16 regarding the exile of his kin. Moses carried out. Many others carried out this hope over time. I think of Isaiah's strange hope. Uh, God sends him out uh, with a message of hardship, blindness and ruin and longevity. Isaiah 6, 9 to 13, his calling. Almost halfway through this book, Isaiah recognizes also that Abraham's seed, bringing blessing to the whole world, is failing. Yet hope remains. He claims, we have not brought salvation, but your dead will live. Isaiah 26, verses 18 and 19. Throughout his book, he recognizes that the power of the blessings, the power and hope, 
is always God, never us. And God blinds people in their efforts to do it themselves, lest they remain self-reliant and continue to miss the mark. God lets his people fail at their efforts. In the middle of his book, Isaiah 29, 10 to 16, 30, uh, 9 to 18. And by the end, he is given more direct hope, which he expends and extends to us. The passage in Isaiah 53 is the reason for it. I'll read it for you. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his, in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people, he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth, yet it was still the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. And by his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many. And he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life onto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sins of many and made intercessions for the transgressors. But this is not the end. It may be the end of the passage, but it's not the end of our hope. Notice that this passage is not about birth. It is about a life, death, and resurrection. When John the Baptist begins to announce the coming of the kingdom, which Abraham was promised, he was also unaware of the full ramifications, the full account of our hope and faith, which we hold today. This is what Jesus means when he says, Truly I tell you, among those born of women has not risen anyone greater than John. Yet the least in the kingdom is greater than he. Matthew 11, 11. We in the kingdom know that John, what John was talking about better than he did. We know this that the kingdom is not just of good citizen or those alive at the time. It is a new reality with no decay, no entropy, no chaos, no death, not bound by the time of our life. We all may die at any time. We may die before Jesus return, before the fulfillment of the kingdom and the promise. Yet we will partake in it nonetheless. We will be resurrected like Jesus by the same power when heaven and earth will be remade and united. All will be remade. 
our bodies, nature, creation. We know this, and John did not. But let us not forget the price our hope has come at. He did not spare his own son. Let us not pity Jesus either as some victim or animal sacrifice. Jesus suffered and died, but also conquered death and rose again. The cross is both the means and the model for what God will do for all creation on Judgment Day. Not pity, not sadness or despair, but praise for glory, reverence, joy, and awe. Hope proven fulfilled. So now what? What is our response to this hope? number of answers. I'll go with the one that Paul gave Galatians to the people in Galatia, I should say. Paul gave them a certain direction. Um, He told them that the Torah was sent as a manager to guide and control the children of obedience, Israel, while they were children. But as Jesus came and adopted us as sons, co-heirs, the Spirit of God is our maturity. The law fulfilled its purpose as a babysitter, fulfilled. And now we follow the Spirit, no longer bound by the law, and actually fulfilled it by completing it. Jesus did. Like a graduation, the growth demanded by the law has to be put away, not as a bad thing or irrelevant, but as fulfilled. Now we can live and do the will of God by His Spirit. When you think of the Spirit, always think of His will. They're always together. You want to be close to His Spirit, do His will. Remain in His Spirit means remain in His will, even when your feelings don't add to it. Now we can do it in spite of our failures, knowing we are forgiven and redeemed. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Paul, uh, again, Galatians 6.2, What counts is the new creation? He summarizes in 6.15. This is what Jesus says is the most important commandment. Love God with all. You can fill in the rest. Love your neighbors as yourself. Matthew 22.37-40. And the verse 40, All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And how do we do this? Love God and love our neighbor. How do we love? Well, we've been given the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, Matthew 13, 11. We get to share it. What knowledge? The truth that we and our neighbor are made in God's image. Love God, love your neighbor. You cannot do one without the other. Since your neighbor is made in God's image, you cannot love God and hate his image or ignore it. You cannot love your neighbor and hate or ignore their existence or their design. This is the knowledge of the secret, that in God's kingdom, we treat and respect all humans as God's image bearers. Because in the kingdom, all love and obey God. We need to love humanity as God intended it to be. We share our hope of a world ruled by God, of humans as image bearers fulfilled their purpose to care for God's creation. We are to be caretakers of His planet, this planet. Good stewards together, not ruled by one another, but all ruled by God alone. We share our love, our hope, making disciples, baptizing, and teaching others to obey everything that Christ has taught us, lifting each other up. Paul also mentions that we've been given gifts. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, they're here to equip others, to teach everything they know so the church may reach unity in both knowledge and spirit. Ephesians 4, 11 13. Hope came to all in Jesus' birth. Hope fulfilled. The Son of God, the perfect quintessential Son, our model of how to be God's children. God in the flesh. How we are to be the sons and daughters of God. Our hope is literally fulfilled in His incarnation. And our faith in this hope is in the resurrection. That confidence that what we hope for will actually come true. The faith. Our hope is not only in the future. The kingdom is already here. The resurrection has already happened. 
for Christ, the first. The command to repent does not mean to feel sorry or guilty for the things you have done and that's it. It means to change allegiance, change directions. Like the prodigal son actually return to a father that loves you and a brother that isn't jealous of God's love, but extends his love and comes out looking for you. Not like the other brother in the prodigal son story. As we've been reading and hearing the last few weeks too, our efforts are not in vain. Our deeds today matter, even for later. God is bringing his kingdom into this world as we speak. So we together can have hope for a better world. 2,000 years ago, you could take your family to the entertainment downtown where slaves were devoured by lions and tigers and others' blades and spears. It may seem like, a, I guess, a slow step, but 2,000 years later, the majority of the world understands that killing is a sin. Humanity has grown individually. I also can have hope. You also can have hope, not only in the kingdom being fulfilled in God's due time, but also today you can have hope. Even in your, in your personal circumstances, God is a good shepherd and powerful. Jesus goes out to save the prodigal son, doesn't wait at home. The good shepherd goes out for the one lost sheep. And even though we have suffering, God is with us. And we can hope and have faith in God pulling us through our suffering, being by our side. Hope and faith go above and beyond emotion. Even when our feelings aren't there, God still is. Even when we don't feel God, He still feels us and feels with us. If you struggle with finances or depression, general physical needs, let not the struggle take your hope. Let the struggle convict you to hang on to your hope, to seek it, to dwell in it, to take refuge in it. Don't let the worries of the world, the fear, separate your attention from God's love. You won't be separated from His love, but don't let your attention be taken away. Jesus alone was forsaken so that you would not be. Teach your children, your friends, your family, whomever will listen, the principles of God which bring blessings. Principles like loving your neighbor, loving peace, responsible stewarding. And know that these things are the will of God. And the will of God brings God's kingdom into this world. Every godly service you're a part of brings reality closer and closer to that fulfillment, whether you see it now or not. We cannot rush the appointed time, but allow God to bless others through us in the meantime. Believe that Jesus' efforts are not powerless, and neither are yours or ours, because God is faithful. Hope for the kingdom and hope for your place in the kingdom. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Romans 15, 13.